This is Dan Scola, Managing Partner of Hoffman and Barron LLP, and you're listening to the IP Fridays podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert, We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 137 of IP Fridays. Today's interview guest is Daniel Scola Jr., He is the managing partner of Hoffmann and Baron LLP, and he will have a conversation with my co-host Ken Suzanne about practical trademark tips and strategies. We both want to let you know that Ken and I are attending the INTA annual meeting 2023 in Singapore this year, which will be from 16th to 20th of May. So if you want to meet us in person, this will be your chance. Head over to Singapore in May and meet us in person. Before we jump into the interview, I have some news for you. The EUSPTO has introduced a new tool for creators, the Intellectual Property Identifier. This is a user-friendly virtual resource and it is designed for those who are less familiar with IP and it enables users to identify whether they have IP and the IP protection they need to support and advance their business. The German Federal Constitutional Court has published a decision confirming that the EPO's appeal system provides independent and effective judicial relief as required by the German Constitution for courts of international organizations. And last but not least, I want to report on an appeal case at the European Patent Office Boards of Appeal. The number of the case, if you want to look deeper into it, is T1473-19. It is another decision on added matter and highlights the importance of commas in claims. The Board of Appeal revoked a patent for added matter following normal interpretation of the claims that lacked basis in the description. The discrepancy between the meaning of the claims and the description was the result of a loss of commas delineating a crucial subclause in the claims. This case is yet another example of how easy it can be to fall into the inescapable added matter trap at the European Patent Office with even the loss of a simple comma. Now let's jump into the interview with Dan Scola. Our guest today on the IP Fridays podcast is Daniel Scola Jr. Dan is the managing partner of Hoffman and Barron LLP and also manages the chemical, pharmaceutical, biochemical, and medical device practice group in the New Jersey office. He has extensive experience in polymers, pharmaceuticals, and medical devices. He specializes in building IP portfolios and designing strategies to protect and enhance company value. Previously, he was counsel, patents, and trademarks, as well as assistant corporate secretary at the Warner Lambert Company and intellectual property attorney at Locktype Corporation. Prior to earning his law degree, Dan was an adhesive and composite materials engineer 
at the Pratt & Whitney Division of United Technologies. Welcome, Dan, to the IP Fridays podcast. Thank you, Ken. It's a pleasure to be here. Dan, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your firm? I know you're based in New Jersey. Yeah, the firm, uh, it's uh, based in New Jersey. We have offices in um, Long Island, uh, as New York, as well as the D.C. area. The D.C. is a, a more recently opened um, portion of the firm. And the firm's in, uh, devoted entirely to, to intellectual property. And, of course, you know that includes uh, patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And as you mentioned, we have a, a fairly uh, extensive and thriving prosecution and litigation practice. And we cover most of the major scientific areas, but all our attorneys um, have experience in the trademark area. In fact, we require them to be, um, you know, well versed in the trademark section as well as, uh, you know, other other areas. So, you know, we're um, we're very very pleased about you know the, the the IP area right now because it's it's pretty with with the internet and so forth. There's an awful lot going on, so it's mm -hmm. busy. Sure. Now let's talk about trademarks and the internet. That's going to be our topic for today. Um, and we'll focus on some best practices and some of your war stories. Um, but let's start with the importance of trademarks and the internet. Why, why are trademarks, registering trademarks and, and monitoring trademarks so important in today's internet age? That's a really good question. I mean, I think People in general often don't realize the importance of trademarks and how powerful they are and, and how valuable they really are. Um, and many confuse these, you know, the IP areas. You know, they confuse trademarks with copyrights, with patents and so forth. And mm -hmm. I've heard people even say that, you know, I will um, I will patent my trademark. They'll say something like that. <laughs> I and, you know, that, it's, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting. But but what they're trying to do is say, I want to be able to, to you know, to say something belongs to the company or belongs to them. Um, and, you know, that's a, a nice, you know, it's an asset, obviously, the trademarks, very important asset. But they become more critical now because of uh, and more crucial because of the exposure on the Internet. Social media is everywhere. It's used so frequently. Um, you know, I would say more people look at the at the uh, computer than they do just television. Now, um, your exposure time is all day long on your phone. Definitely. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So the reach is enormous. You know, the exposure is enormous through social media. So that means that if you have a trademark, you know, the, the identification of the source of your product really is what trademarks are all about. That is is greater than it's ever been. And it can create an extremely powerful brand recognition very, very quickly. I mean, some sometimes ads go viral, you know, just you would never expect it. And the next thing you know, you, you've got you've got a, a an ad or or some version of an ad, even someone using it you know, it's not a formal ad, but someone uses your trademark and it goes viral. And that kind of exposure can be very powerful, both good and bad, I might add. Mm -hmm. And the Internet has increased the need for trademark protection. What's driving that and why? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the problems, uh, you know, you face when you have it's really not uh, it's not it's all self self-policed in a sense. Right. So. You know, I, I don't know what you're going to send and you don't know what I'm going to send on the Internet. So we could say something about a brand, which is very useful. Mm -hmm. say great things. We could use the brand properly. 
uh, use the trademark properly, but there's also a very high potential for misuse of the trademark. And and as you know, uh, misuse can lead trademarks from being a really uh, wonderful um, IP asset to something that's generic and no longer protectable. And, and, and many people don't realize that just a lot of misuse does such damage to trademarks and that you need to police it really well to make sure others are using your, you, know, you should use it, of course, well, but others use your mark well and properly. And so policing becomes critical. You know, how many people can, uh, besides probably you and, and, and other trademark practitioners, realize that things like adrenaline was was a trademark at one point? Mm-hmm. And in in you know, we all say, well, it gets your adrenaline going, but <laughs> that was a trademark and it went generic. And, and uh, uh, you know, I'll tell you a story later about superglue that that's superglue went generic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if you don't police them properly and there just gets overused, you know, the Velcro people, I, you know, yes. you might have seen this. Yeah, it's they a fascinating kinda, video. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that it? Have you seen that video? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us, tell our listeners about it. Um, I oh, it's, it's, it's wonderful terrific. to watch and learn. It's from great. It. It's entertaining. This is this is how the how social media can really be helpful to a to a trademark owner. So the company, everybody uses Velcro as if it's a noun. Well, let's Velcro it, you know. Um, and, and so that's, that's really, we all know they're not supposed to be used as nouns or verbs. They're supposed to be used as adjectives. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you use it as an adjective, you reinforce the trademark. If you use it as a noun, you take away from it and it becomes more like chair (laughs) or car, you know, things that are not protectable. And, the Velcro team, the whole legal department, put together sort of a sing sing along video, and it, you know when you watch it, that's just a creative way of of getting on and using social media to help educate other people who want to use Velcro. You know they're the hook and loop people. Hook and loop is really the the name. <laughs> that's really the description of the goods, um, and the trademark is. The, is the uh, Velcro? So it's Velcro hook and look hook and loop. Hard to say in one in one yes. <laughs> in one sentence, but that that's a perfect example of good policing uh, and good education on the internet. Yes, and we'll put a um, a link in the show notes to that YouTube video so that listeners can uh, watch the video for themselves. Speaking of um, those war stories that we talked about. Um, why don't we talk about those war stories? I understand you you have uh, some war stories connected to superglue, Gap, and medieval times. Uh, why don't we talk about those and what listeners can learn from those experiences? Sure, sure. So, so superglue is instructive in the sense that you know when you when you look at the word superglue, if you take the two words apart, okay, the the trademark actually was was attempted to be one uh, one word superglue together. But, you know, super is is like saying it's sort of it's a laudatory type of word, right? It's saying great. It's it's saying wonderful. But this is super, super glue, like it has some kind of great properties. And glue is just a generic word, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when the the marketing director 
And he was a real go-getter. He was one of those guys that, you know, he he could sell you anything. He really was good at it. He had the power of persuasion. He was very charismatic. And he came to me and he said, uh, I'd like to, you know, register Superglue. And I was like, I was a sort of a fledgling, you know, trademark attorney at the time, right? So uh, I was a little reticent about giving him advice without making sure I checked with, you know, those I reported to and did a little research and so forth. But in the end, all I, I said to him, there's there's a lot of risks in doing that because, you know, super super is, is a laudatory word. Glue is is a very generic. It's generic for things that, you know, adhesive. And I, I, I really doubt it's going to be able to be registered on on the principal register, you know. Maybe if you sell it for a while and you develop uh, some goodwill in it and so forth, you know, we might be able to do something um, with it later on and get it, get it, you know, circle R. But for right now, I think you're just going to have to put a TM. But if you're going to put a lot of money into this, it may be difficult to protect. Mm-hmm. In the end. So he said, well, I'm going to put uh, $10 million in the advertising campaign right away. Now, this uh, this is not present time. Understand, this is back in in uh, the uh, late eight, you know, the late seventies, early eighties when he was doing this, and mm-hmm. and I was fairly young in the business. And I thought, oh boy, uh, this is going to be interesting. So, what does he do? He 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 puts that money in the brand. It just blows up. It becomes a a big seller, and it, you know everybody knows Superglue. Then he leaves the company within the year and he starts the super super glue corporation. (laughs) (laughs) And what is his primary product? Super glue. So, you know, so of course we, we were forced to, uh, you know, try to settle this with him, bring a lawsuit against him and so forth and so on. But the bottom line is he did take the advice. He just didn't use it to help, the company he was working for. Mm-hmm. And we ultimately were not successful uh, at getting Superglue. And you'll, you'll see there's there's others that sell Superglue out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's an interesting story. But it, I think it, it's instructive is when you're when you're choosing a mark, you know, don't you don't want to choose things that involve a noun and, and something that is is just a laudatory like great or wonderful you know, wonderful glue, not not likely to be a great mark. It will be and, hard to get registered, indeed. Hard. And 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 if you did, let's say you got it on the secondary register and you, you put a lot of money into it, it still might be difficult to protect in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, you're using very unprotectable pieces to put that mark together. So I don't know. I would, uh, you know, I think you use your common sense when you're choosing names and you have backups that leads me to the medieval times uh yeah little scenario so so medieval times it, it's a fairly well-known uh you know restaurant sort of theater uh enterprise and it's in most states and you know we all know we've all heard of it we all know that you go there you basically you eat with your hands and you watch jousting matches and other things that would go on if you were living in a castle. In, in yes. Times, right? <laughs> it's certainly yeah. a, 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 an experience to be had and, and memorable indeed. I think so, yeah. I mean, I remember in law school going to one. Uh, now, it's the only one I've ever been to, but I, I remember enjoying it because it was so unique. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Medieval Times employees decided to unionize. And this also happened very recently with Amazon and Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Employees decided they would unionize. So Medieval Times employees decided they would they would use as their union name Medieval Times Union. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that the, the name was not exactly that, but it, it was Medieval Times, and then I think it was employees something. You know, okay. I'm exactly what it was. So there was a reference to Medieval Times in the name of the union. That's correct. They, they used it exactly. Like that. And they also used the Medieval Times logo. At least that's what the complaint that's been filed in New Jersey mm-hmm. uh, stated. Okay. And, you know, so there it's a clear potential for confusion when you take someone else's mark, especially a famous mark, and you incorporate it into your mark. And even though you, you could make the argument, well, but the goods are not exactly the same. You know, you're you're taking a risk that doesn't need to be taken. That's my view of it. I mean, you could have named this union, you know, uh, Gothic employers or feudal times employees. Some other name that's suggestive, maybe of of the name of the business or some some something, but not direct. But not direct. And then Mm -hmm. I think medieval times would have said, "Hey, look." it's not likely there's going to be any confusion and people are going to think that we are involved in this union. And I, and I think that's the issue that the the medieval times restaurant doesn't want to be potentially confused with the union that's trying to start that, you know, that that, Mm -hmm. their employees are trying to start. And I think Mm -hmm. that's fair. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's fair that they shouldn't have to worry about them, you know, being confused. And, and uh, it, it obviously who would who would not confuse it? Yeah, particularly when you start talking about usage of a logo or typeface or stylization, that's where I think it really becomes more of an issue. It does, and and all of that is is alleged in in the complaint. So, so you know, the takeaway there, I think, for 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 me and for I think for others might be, use your common sense. If if you if you think there's a potential that you might be Invading into someone else's territory or potentially trading off on something, someone, someone's goodwill, you, you know, listen to your instinct. You probably are. You're probably mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Pick that's another a, mark. That's definitely a good uh, point. And also now transitioning over to sort of other practical tips for business owners. What are the things that a businesses should focus on to stay out of trouble on the Internet? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think it goes back to, um, you know, trying, you know, being being cautious, doing some due diligence, not making assumptions, I think is a lot of assumptions are made because they say, I have never seen this before. Mm-hmm. It must not exist. And you have the power of the Internet. You know, for goodness sakes, you can you can do searches. Yeah, you can at least do that. You can do Google searches or whatever whatever browser you use. Doing a common law search, at least at the at the very beginning of launching yeah. a brand, and making sure that the mark is available. Yeah, I mean that's that's the very the lowest level, of, right? Uh, and, right, and also doing full searches. That's very important. I think businesses need to be a, to be aware 
and to follow that advice of, of doing full trademark searches before they launch products or services. Because Absolutely. with the internet, I mean, within seconds, everyone will see what you're offering and it's so easy to um, sort of spread the word. And on, on the flip side, it's easy for people to detect infringements. Absolutely. It's, and to, to, so get, getting a full search done and having it evaluated because, you, you know, you and I both know, you know, if if you're not used to looking at this, it's a it's going to be a judgment call. OK, you're going to look at it. You're going to apply the various factors. Then when you look at a mark, what's the potential for getting this registered? What's the potential for confusion? And then and then, you know, if there's other marks that come up in the search, you know, maybe you want to take care of those those potentials ahead of time. Yeah. Um, I have a large company that that owns a mark and I have a small client and the marks are the same. The goods are not exactly the same, but the mark's famous. So I, I'm, I'm very concerned that we're going to get an opposition and it's just not going to go anywhere. And the, the client does not have the money, nor he could just pick another name. So if you hire an attorney early enough to get, you know, you, you, you don't, don't try to do everything yourself. There's only some certain things you can do on the Internet yourself. And then you need judgment and then you need to know something about the law. So I think it's important to get a full search and to get it reviewed by uh, a practicing attorney who who has the experience to do it and then can make the judgment call. You're likely to hear from here and then maybe contact some people ahead of time. That, that's that's in this case, that's what I did. I don't do it every time. But I contacted the company and they're they're willing to put a consent agreement in place before we even file. Mm-hmm. So and that saves money because now they don't have to, you know, threaten with an opposition and then do the consent. So, you know, there's there's that practical tip there. And I and I also think, you know, when you see your trademark being used improperly, you really have to to have you do something about it. You 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 can't ignore it. Um, it's so important. I mean, and I, and I think a lot of people who have their marks, you know, they might use it internally, but they get sloppy with it too. It's you know, everybody takes the shorthand. I mean, now we text things, and many don't text in full sentences, and they do the same thing with trademarks. They they shorten it up, and they that's right. Call, they call the noun. The actual trademark, you know, so not not a good practice to do that. Definitely. Well, uh, Dan, we're getting near the end, but I wanted to ask you um, your thoughts on trends. And that where do you where do you think things are headed in the IP world as we cross over into twenty twenty three and beyond? What what things do you think are going to be more important, particularly with respect to the internet? Yeah, I I mean I, I think. I think there's a there's a, a concern about theft and and the misuse thing is I'm more worried about that. I mean, it, you, it's certainly powerful to get your name out there, but then the policing issue is going to be more and more, I think, difficult. And, and I think more effort has to be, you know, maybe you, you should budget for, for policing and and correcting things that are wrong on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Now you've got you've got this virtual world stuff coming up, right? And the metaverse, and yeah, metaverse, and and you know you've got you know NFTs, and you've 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 got all virtual goods, and <laughs> that's a whole load of issues for trademark lawyers and their clients. It it really is, and and I, I think there'll be a whole bit of, of law developing around that. 
But so I just think more awareness. I mean, your trademarks are so valuable. People don't realize how valuable. They are among the most valuable assets that companies have. You You could change the product itself, you know, the content of the product. But if that name is out there, people will still go with that. That's what they know. That's um, right. There's yeah. an extreme amount of value, sort of the corporate jewels, you know, that need to be safeguarded at all times. Absolutely. I, I'll tell you one last thing is, you know, let your 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 reason sort of guide you when you're looking at, you know, potential issues and disputes using trademarks and don't get caught up in the emotions. And, you know, I. I can say if you if you are too wed to uh, to pride and and uh, you can let it get the best of you and not make a good business decision when it comes to you know so if you just love this name so much and you're willing to take the risk you know maybe maybe you ought to run it by someone else and say does it really make sense I know you love that name that's right but but it comes with a lot of potential problems that's right. Well, Dan, we've come to the end of today's podcast. I want to thank you so much for being a guest. Um, how can our audience get in touch with you? Well, um, you can certainly call the the firm number. It's 973-331-1700. Or you can, you know, just uh, call, you know, email at, at uh, hbiplaw.com. That's the, the website. Um, it stands for Hoffman and Barron, iplaw.com. Excellent. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today on the IP Fridays podcast. Thank you, Ken. It was a pleasure. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com iTunes and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.